You're listening to the Dyslexia Mom Life Podcast. I'm Nicole Holcomb, former teacher and school counselor turned civil rights attorney and podcast host. It wasn't that long ago that we learned the reason that our daughter was struggling to learn to read in first grade was dyslexia. Fast forward four years past many hours of research and collaborating with experts in the field of dyslexia. Now I'm sharing the lessons I have learned that took me from being an overwhelmed mom who didn't understand dyslexia to a go-to mom who is helping hundreds of moms each week through education and collaboration. I created the Dyslexia Mom Life podcast to give you simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies and hacks to help you do the same. If you're feeling alone and lost on your parenting dyslexia journey and you're looking to find a mom who gets it, you're in the right place. Let's jump in and get started. Hey friend, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. And today is a special podcast. Not only are we celebrating Dyslexia Awareness Month, we also have not one, but two guests in the studio today. And we're talking not only about dyslexia and parenting our kiddos with dyslexia, we are also talking about their amazing business the Dyslexia Together subscription box. They provide a book monthly to families, and we're going to talk more about it in the episode, so I don't want to spoil it for you, but let me tell you a little bit about Kristen and Abby. So they are two moms who met in college and then reconnected along their journey in parenting when they realized that both of their children had dyslexia and both of them were trying to figure out how to work through those pieces. And at some point during their journey, they decide to open this amazing business and help other moms and families as it relates to just reading and nurturing their children and connecting again as a family. So today we're going to talk all about their journeys, but we're also going to talk about not only their parenting journey with dyslexia, but also how they're growing this amazing business called Dyslexia Together. And if you listen to the end of the episode, they have a special gift for Dyslexia Mom Life listeners only. So if you listen to the very end, you can take advantage of the free gift. So we're super excited about the gift that they're offering for moms who subscribe for their very first box. They're going to throw in a nice bonus for you, and I will share more about that at the end of the episode today. So let's jump in and let you hear the conversation with Kristen and Abby. You are going to love both of these moms. I am excited to get to talk with Abby and Kristen today from the Dyslexia Together box. We have been trying to connect for, I don't know, many, many months. And so I just want to welcome uh, Abby and Kristen to the show. And I, I just can't wait to dive in and learn more about both of you. We're really excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Oh, Hi, thanks for having us. I'm excited to hear more about your story too and just share this time together. That's awesome. Well, before we get into talking more about the business side of what you're doing now and what you're doing to help families, which is amazing, by the way, if, if anyone's not following the things that you're putting out there, especially on the, we connected through Instagram and, and we'll talk more about a little bit how to connect with you. I love all the things that you're sharing. I do believe it's very empowering for, for families because there's so much great information out there. But then there's so much misinformation out there. And I know that your brand, like ours, we work really hard to make sure the information we're sharing is is accurate. And I think that that means a lot to people. But before we get started and talk really more about where you are now, let's go back a little bit. I would love to hear a little bit about your stories. I don't know who would like to, to volunteer to go first, but I'd love to learn more about how you came to work 
in this world of dyslexia. And I'm sure it's a personal journey because I've been on, on your site, so I know a little bit more about your story myself. But for the listeners, for the moms listening, I don't know if Abby or Kristen, who wants to go first, but can you tell us a little bit about your mom's story and your dyslexia story and what brought you to where we are today? Sure. So, well, I think we should just go back even a little further than our mom's stories. We were co- college roommates. She was in grad school and I was an undergrad. And I don't really even know how we ended up living together, but we were, were roommates and then um, really lost touch a little bit when we both got married. We got married around the same time and um, found ourselves reconnecting at our uh, eldest children's preschool, um, Ice Cream Social. So that was a fun surprise. And um, I so love that, too, because it's fun. It's it's interesting I've had that on my journey where you reconnect with people and you're like, oh, wow. And then it's all of a sudden like you have all this whole nother world in common that you didn't know you had in common as you start working together. So I don't know if that's a play on words a little bit with with your business model, too, which we can talk about. But um, that's really, really neat, too. So, Abby, are you going to start off first talking a little bit about? Okay, perfect. Yep. So um, my daughter is... um, who's about ready to graduate from high school now. Um, when we were interviewing pre- different kindergartens, we went all around after she was getting ready to leave the, that, that preschool. And, you know, our question was, what do you do for an advanced reader? And um, because she had this enormous vocabulary, she was very well-spoken. And so various answers, we chose a place for her to go. And, um, she didn't read well until about second grade, it turned out. So we didn't really understand what was going on with that. Um, she was in title one, um, and I didn't really know what that was either. And she was doing things like nonsense words. And I thought, I don't, why are you not just reading the words? I mean, my background is not education, it's interior design and, and community, um, and empowerment and things. So, um, so then fast forward, we have another son who doesn't struggle in school at all. My daughter is fine by the time she's in mid to second grade doing well in school. Um, and then my third child comes along and even as early as preschool, we knew that he just learned differently. We couldn't really pinpoint it. He was super creative, very observant, but didn't really, we, we did not continue in that same school for kindergarten because we thought, Oh, he needs a little more structure. So he, um, went into the public school system and just really, struggled in reading, you know, from the start and had like an orange folder and we didn't know what that meant. There was just a lot of unknowns, you know, <laughs> the, like, right. labels that we didn't know what meant, what they meant. And, um, and he was this brilliant little boy too, but he kept getting frustrated. And so by the time second grade came around, we said, okay, we're looking for answers and I'm, I'm reaching out to different resources. And I said, I, heard this word dyslexia, but I didn't really know what it was quite honestly. Um, I honestly thought it was like you read backwards, you know, saw letters swimming and read backwards. And I had a friend whose children, she she was a a big advocate in our school. It was um, several of her children have dyslexia. And so I said, tell me about this. And so that led to testing and the whole school IEP process. And in the meantime, I was working on, we were meeting for coffee as friends, Kristen and I, and um, we were at a coffee shop one day and I said, hey, I, I want to show you this list of um, characteristics that embody dyslexia. And uh, some of the the ones that are not quite as common, like you don't think of. Okay. Yeah. Can you give me some examples? 
like travel tying shoes. That was uh, like a the key yes. one that tying shoes, learning to ride a bike. Yeah, we had all that at our house. <laughs> yeah. Those were probably two of the big ones that I can because this is a few years ago now. <laughs> right. I understand. <laughs> yeah. So I mean we did that and um, her story is going to pick up a little bit as far as the dyslexia part goes there at that point. But we were just, you know, the, it was the looking for answers. We still didn't have a, di- a diagnosis or an identification of dyslexia. Um, the school was trying to be helpful, but just couldn't pinpoint it or, you know, I, I just said, okay, what are we going to do? So he finally, um, we were in the, evaluation meeting. <laughs> and I had studied up with uh, Curly, Ke- Kelly Salmon Hurley's book, um, The Dyslexia Advocate, the night before our ETR meeting. And <laughs> read, you know, I said, okay, you know, I know I'm not going to sign the IEP when he gets in and uh, or when we, when we receive it. And I go in and it turns out he doesn't qualify for anything. And I was just shocked. <laughs> like how could, like he was struggling and it was becoming evident. And um, so this was in second grade. And so I just, I ha- ended up really diving into it. it, became a week long deep dive into um, looking at the the report and saying, nope, you missed this. You didn't do, you know, this wasn't complete. Let's look at this again. The end result after another meeting um, was they put him on a 504. They said, okay, yeah, we, we did miss some of these things. And so that helped a little bit, but he kept falling further behind. Um, in that time, we started the Barton curriculum at home because there weren't any tutors that were available. Right. So I had to become a tutor. <laughs> that was a whole different thing. And, you know, it's this little eight-year-old boy who didn't really want to be working on that too after school. So right. that's been another part of the journey. But Yeah, absolutely. So if you don't mind sharing a little bit, I know I hear many times from families that they go to that and, you know, the initial evaluation and and discussion about is your child eligible and they, and the school system says, well, mm, yeah, no. And actually working with a a mom last week and she's like, I don't, I don't know how to navigate this. And so it sounds like um, the book you were talking about, the dyslexia advocate book, is that something that you felt like gave you enough guidance to be able to kind of tackle that on your own or? Yeah, I, that was one of, one of the books for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at that point, I don't know if we were in the process of evaluation and identification. We had a, a local dyslexia tutor who was, who did the evaluation. So I, we'd at least been in conversation and I said, right. yeah, I'm pretty, you know, I'm pretty sure it's dyslexia, even if it wasn't official at that point. Um, so that's when I was so like, was okay. the school saying the not enough behind, like just yeah. not yeah, that argument of just not enough. far enough behind. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, you know, he's a boy and he's young. So let's wait. Wait wait and see argument. Yeah. Yeah. So. And then did you find that he responded well to Barton once you started that at home? I know it's hard to wear that mom hat and that school hat because we Uh, all had to do that during COVID. So we learned that way too quickly. But I know from the perspective of, you know, you're learning in a curriculum, you said you're not an educator. So you're, you're trying to navigate a world that's probably maybe foreign, especially, you know, the whole dyslexia world, although it's a very supportive community, when you go in, it's really overwhelming at the beginning. So I'm just curious as to, you know, I have talked to many moms that they don't know what to do and how, 
I don't think I can do this. And so you did that. And so that's commendable that you were able to kind of figure it out. And what I know, we used uh, Orton Gillingham, but what I understand from Barton is it's pretty prescriptive, right? I mean, that's you follow it and it's pretty easy for a parent to follow along and do the, the components that are required. I think there's a lot of a large, um, a steep learning curve to it, but right. I, it's very easy. Um, it's the same format throughout all 10 levels. Okay. So even they have, I think it's a through maybe Q something like that. And they, even if it's a, a, a level that, or a lesson that isn't, um, used anymore, then they just say, you know, no lesson or, you know, that's not exactly the wording, but, right, um, sure. Okay. Yeah. So it's very prescriptive. So once you learn the format, there's mm-hmm. at each begin because there's 10 levels and at the beginning of each level, there's a training, like about mm-hmm. a two hour training, but it's not learning the whole process and the whole right. curriculum. Right. All at one point. time. That right. makes sense. Yeah. They do it. In and and yeah. that was an example of utilizing what was available at that time. Yeah. Like whether or not it was the most amazing or best or whatever. Right. It was the- then right yeah had had the list for the tutor like the school was was going to try to help some but they didn't really even have the right curriculum at that point um or help or training um and did you find that he responded well to barton i mean was that something that you got pretty good traction on once you started and was able to okay we're still on the journey of the Barton. <laughs> sure, <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's and that's um, one piece, too, is that I know a mom said to me the other day, I just want to fix this. I'm like, well, first of all, <laughs> always be dyslexic. Um, and we're just teaching some tools and we're teaching, you know, ways to uh, decode, but uh, always be dyslexic. But we want to try to remediate the dyslexia as, as best we can, right? So it's. I think it's an amazing tool. And it, it, it kind of shocks me. He will still remember rules from the very, you know, the second level is where you start learning the rules right. um, of language. And, and he can name the the cute names like milk truck or, you know, it's <laughs> <laughs> like that. Oh yeah. That's the milk truck rule. Mom. I'm like, you're absolutely right. And yeah. I, I mean, it's literally been years now and right. he's, made it. so it really was imprinted um, in his mind and what, yeah, whether it's the, the best option or not, it's what we had available because right. that was maybe November ish. And she wasn't going to have an opening till May. And I thought I can't lose can't this time frame mm-hmm. for him. Um, so did so, you switch over in May then and go with the private tutor or did you stay doing the Barton no, at home? We've still, we've just stuck with it at home. Okay. So she, um, COVID happened somewhere. There. Right. Yeah, was, <laughs> I weird. remember those so, days. Yeah. <laughs> so between all of that, he was, he, it was working. So I kept saying, you yeah. know, when he wasn't, do it like okay then we're gonna have to hire someone right right but the resiliency that it's built to on top of his everyday life and resiliency which is always always impresses me um yeah he's more willing and to do it quickly to get through the lessons and he's still retaining it because that's obviously (laughs) the the key like let's not so that started in second grade you said yeah okay what grade is he in this year Sixth grade. Sixth grade. So he's okay. Sixth grade. So we did a big push this summer. And yeah. So that's where we are. Awesome. So Thank and you. then um my story is long, so I will just give a very mini version for right now. <laughs> um I am both it have the the luxury and the pain of having been on this journey and for a long time. So I can connect the dots backwards. So I have that um at this point. So it's from that that I, um, I guess I live in that of the hope of it. And um, it is going to be okay. Um, it, w- it is very hard. It was very hard. And I'm 
there's nothing that I'm going to be able to say or any of us can say that's going to take that away. Um, so for us, we knew from a young, young age that something was different um, and that like cognitive abilities, meaning like IQ kind of things were not adding up with some of the rest of the things or right. um, so my, I have a son that we, I parented 13 years without having a name for it. So I was a dyslexic mm. mom many years before we found what every professional I went to called a missing piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out dyslexia is not what I thought it was. It's not what all these amazing professionals in our life thought it was, or at least not how it plays out for my child. Right. Um, so, and my personality is very much to like trust my gut. Um, and that's what I've had to do. So you advocate and you keep going. And we hit very hard where it like had a holistic impact because we mm-hmm. weren't able to identify what or have a name for it. Yeah. Um, so there was you know, some medical, emotional, social, emotional, definitely confidence impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that, again, having the lecture of being able to connect the dots backwards, that impact and that pain is so much bigger than being able to read. Right. And, um, I, and I appreciate you sharing that because I know for so many, even the mom I was talking to last week, she was told that her son is, he's in third grade, but that he's reading on a kindergarten level. And they're like, the school's like, it's okay though. I'm like, yeah, no, that's not okay. And so we started really talking about the social emotional pieces right. of what dyslexia does to the child and to the family. And, you know, I tell people all the time, remediation is great if you get with the right person, the right instruction, even at the school level, but it's still hard. Right. I mean, the the whole thing is hard. It doesn't, you know, there might be a couple easy days in there and our kids do amazing things that we love, but there are really hard uh, detours along the way on that path. And there are a lot of really hard decisions we have to make as moms. And we spend, I love that you said, it seems like I spend more time listening to my gut than I do anything else. And then wondering, did I get that right? And I don't know yet. You know, did I make the right decision there? <laughs> I don't know yet. And I, again, being a little further along, I know that sometimes we did not make the right mm-hmm. decision. Um, you also, all of us as moms, just as moms in general, and then whatever your parenting um, specifically, we also, like I said earlier, sometimes you have to make the decision of what is available to you. Absolutely. Uh, your best decision or your next best right decision. Um, so we live in an area, I, um, we we were not prepared to move um, for lots of reasons. Um, we did have, we do have the re- a lot of, um, we're rich in resources, meaning we have the support, we had the time, or we made the time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, um, we had the money, resources, the, the knowledge, all of that, and it wasn't enough. And again, I don't say that to be negative, sure, um, yeah. but just also, reality and at some point you have to let some of that go because I can say with like complete sincerity that I did what we could do like we had all we did all the things we had all the service and sometimes you can just do the best you can do in the situation I know the last um podcast I released this week uh that was one of the things I was talking about is that you know 
it is okay, right? Like it's okay to release some of that. And it's hard because there's still things we look back at and go, oh, okay, well now I know, right? But you didn't right. know then. And you end yeah. up, at least for me, from a mom perspective, it seems like, because even the mom I was talking to recently, she's like, so I guess I didn't do, like, you start thinking about what right. did I do wrong? And at the time you did the best you could do. Right. And I was like, you know, at some point, we have to be okay that we did the best we could do. And that's hard. That's hard to get it to a place hard. where you're okay with that and, uh, and, and move away from the shame and blame. And that that's, that's a hard thing to do. It really is. And that's where I guess I'm just saying that is a big part of our story. And at this point, um, I heard a term the other day, like fix forward or, you know, move forward. Oh, we can, that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I just like that perspective mm-hmm. of like, yeah. this is where we are. Um, yeah. and, He's an incredible, perseverant, amazing person. Like I'm sure all of you are raising. Um, he is going to be a world changer. Both all of us are raising world changers. Um, and then what do you do in the meantime? And you find those people. So for, for me, Abby's like my person in that mm-hmm. is that you journey together, the, a person who truly gets it. And we can talk about it more. But from that is where um, we decided to launch Dyslexia together because it's like, this is hard. It's too hard. Like, it shouldn't be this hard. But for this moment, it is um, right. as far as um, in history and yeah. history. Yeah. And we're both those people. And it's like when you went to all the people and all the professionals that you trusted and you knew to go to it and it still didn't work out, it is what it is. And we can be a part, hopefully, of making other people's stories or their journeys a little bit easier. So that's where. And I think one huge part of what has motivated us and this idea of togetherness is all the people on your child's team. You know, it's so go in and say, you know, this is team Isaiah, right? Like we're all Mm -hmm. on this. So it is the medical professionals, but it's also the teachers because I, when people get frustrated with teachers or administrators, I thought I have never met another, a teacher or an administrator who did not want the absolute best for the children that they're investing in. They just don't know sometimes. And it's hard to admit sometimes you don't know. Or the system is limiting. I mean, it's not, even if they know they may not be able to. Right. They can't help. Not allowed to. Right. And I like what you said earlier. Um, You know, just the, the, you know, the missing pieces, because I know even early on for us, when we, our daughter had a lot of articulation, like it was really hard sometimes to, and I remember I was working with an Orton-Gillingham tutor. She was our reading specialist at the small private school. I didn't even know what OG was at the time. And I have three degrees in education. I had no idea. And so she was working with her and she's like, "I, I can't put my finger on it. Like she didn't say dyslexia. She just kept saying, I can't put my finger on it because there was those other pieces that we know goes along with dyslexia, right? They're not just dyslexic. There's, I like to call them the dyslexia sisters. There's always something else going on. On there, and if that's more predominant or it's driving the car at the time, it's hard to see sometimes, right? And right. so, some of those other pieces, especially if you have really strong social emotional pieces going on, that you have to uh, you have to take care of that first. And so, I think sometimes for for moms, especially, it's the journey is very overwhelming, and it doesn't start to get better on day two or day three. Like I remember going into 
I think the second or third year we were at a, a, a dyslexia school and I remember figuring out another piece of the puzzle. But I just remember talking to our second grade teacher again at the school and her saying, you know, it's like an onion. You keep peeling pieces back of the dyslexia and you keep finding pieces of it. And I said, oh, and it doesn't help that you're talking about peeling an onion. So I'm crying the whole entire way every time I peel a layer. <laughs> She's like, yeah, that, that happens. So... You know, I do think that when we think about people that have been successful with dyslexia, you know, a lot of uh, almost everybody I've talked to says the school years were hard. But then once I got the tools I needed, I was able to be successful. And like you're saying, some of the perseverance, the pieces, the skills that they learn, the dyslexia thinking that they have helps them to be successful. But these school years are hard. There's just nothing. And I think like my, I think this is true for Abby too. Like, we know each other pretty well. So I think I can speak for it, but we have both over time uh, kind of approached it. Like, of course, grades are important. Education is important to us. It's a huge mm-hmm. part of our lives. You go into it thinking, okay, someday my child's going to be Ivy League and all, whatever. I don't know, whatever right. you, you have your ideas of. Yeah, people. sure. And then that shifts, but it doesn't, it's not an indicator of intelligence because that's like, I guess the other part of our story where it got very confusing is uh, my son wanted to like be hearing words and stories always like from a young age to the point that I started using audiobooks because I'm like, I have to do other things. Like I love that he wants to always hear language, but, and I didn't know it was um, at the time, I didn't know the term ear reading, but essentially he was ear reading from a very, very young age and then um, went for his kindergarten screening. And after, I just remember like um, one of the person that tested him afterwards coming up to me and she's like, after I got, I've never tested a child before with such a big vocabulary, like after age 20, like it didn't go on anymore, the chart. So again, like you're thinking, okay, uh, my child's brilliant. And he is, he is brilliant, all of us are. But, um, but then there were other things and it didn't match up. And I think that's where it gets, so complicated mm-hmm. um, because we're used to thinking of like different diagnoses or different learning differences that it is a little bit more textbook mm-hmm. where I think dyslexia can look so very different across the board and um, he can I mean my son can read um, for him uh, some of it was more like the speech and the processing and the riding the bike and the directional. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, those are things that who knew, who knew that was just like, so that missing piece. And then um, now of course it's like this major aha moment, like again, connecting back, like all of it makes sense. Right. Um, but then I'm sure all of us have felt that too. Like, I mean, I was just talking about this this morning, like you get to this point and you're like, oh, good. We're finally in the rhythm. <laughs> Things are going well. And then the year changes or the teacher changes or whatever happens. Right. So or you hit puberty um, and then. <laughs> yeah. Like all of it. You have That's a whole nother I'm level of stuff you're dealing with. Yeah. We've done a lot of the ages and stages already. And then it's um, different now, like trying to figure out post-secondary stuff mm-hmm. so again all of that's like way too much for one podcast but it all <laughs> is like the, um, it's definitely the roots of the foundation um, so let me ask you a question. When you were talking a few minutes ago, I think it was Abby, y'all were talking about that you started meeting for coffee and started yeah. really talking about things. And tell me a little bit about that reconnection that happened through 
that commonality of dyslexia? Well, really, we were just like reconnecting as people because it had been many, many years since we'd ever seen each other. So we were just kind of doing life together, um, catching coffee or conversation where you can in a busy life. Um, Mm -hmm. And so obviously we knew of the strengths and struggles that were going on in our lives and the lives of our children. Um, She knew the history or the story of mine that I've shared as far as it had been going on for quite a while. We were getting lots of services. She knew all that and that there was that missing piece. And then she had shared when she brought like that list and we're like, oh my word, this list is the missing piece. So that was um, <laughs> the trigger the point. Tri- like, Absolutely. For, sort of, so Abby's actually the one that realized, like put all the pieces together yeah, that is. everybody had known, like, could this be it? Like, is this what we've been talking about all the time without knowing the name? And I think that's so much of it. Cause I, you know, we just got done with my son's IEP meeting and it was such a different conversation this year than it ever has been in the past. I think this was our third or fourth IEP now. Mm-hmm. And because I had the knowledge and know, knew what to ask, you know, and so to empower people like that's, we, when we finally had a name, we, we met with a group of parents. We met with the superintendent and assistant superintendent. And to their credit, things started to change. And this is um, our former uh, superintendent. Even she had, like, reading was her background. She, you know, a whole, um, that, like, she grew, that was her area of study. And she was open, you know. Mm-hmm. And now, like, in Ohio, where we are, the laws are changing. So there's going to be dyslexia screening and things, which is amazing. Um, but our our particular, my school system, they've implemented, um, OG based curriculum for all students now, you know? Um, so it's amazing when people start talking because I just said, okay, we're, we started this, this, uh, community group. And it was like, we just have to help people have a name for it, you know, and then resources. And although we haven't COVID kind of messed some of that up too, like trying to make community awareness and support meaning yeah like because you don't know what you don't know right i mean right. If, if you don't right. know you don't know to ask the right questions you don't know right. you know you just yeah. feel lost yeah it makes sense so we did a couple dyslexia simulations one-on-one kind of courses and and then if you don't mind can i just interject something because i think sure. it's important for the listeners out there that their journey isn't playing out um the way you think it would i just want to say like I thought finding that missing piece was going to be our moment. Mm-hmm. So for us, finding a name was not easy. It actually made things a little bit harder. It wasn't um, the light switch moment. It wasn't of everything that, oh, good. Change. Now we yeah. have all the answers and everybody's going to jump on board. Um, so saying that, every everybody in our journey, genuinely 100%, I will have gratitude for has yeah. been an advocate and wonderful in our lives. So I do want to say that because that's mm-hmm. so important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because we didn't have a name doesn't mean that we weren't doing everything we could. We right. meaning all of us. But um, I just think it also is important to say sometimes it doesn't just, okay, now you have a name and everything's going to fall in place. Right. That was not our experience. So prior he'd had all these services, had been on IP since he was age four. We just didn't know. There were other, I mean, we didn't have that as the qualifier. And then knowing that just because of age and all of that. So again, I'm just putting that out there because um, 
it is one of the, those are, we call them like the cha-cha-cha moments where you're like moving forward and backward and then you just, it's a good way to describe it. Um, so that is, I just, I don't know. I don't even know if it's important, but it feels important to me if there's listeners out there that are like, okay, well, you think everything's going to fall into place once you have a name. Right. Right. But I think it's just that layering on, you know, maybe building the onion back up or something like you're, well, and then too, you know, you're spending, right. And like you said, I mean, you know, the majority of educators are there, like you said earlier, because they want to do what's best for our kids. They really do. And so I really share a lot, especially because my husband is an educator and I've been in education myself for a while, is that, you know, having those strong relationships with people that are with your kid all day long and, and once it becomes more adversarial, it makes it really difficult for you yeah. and your child. Um, but at the end of the day, when you go to the table and say, okay, so I think it's dyslexia, the educators across the table might not even know what that means exactly. And they might not know what it means for your child, because as we know, every dyslexic's a little different. Like there's just not one cookie cutter, my child's dyslexic. They may have some similar characteristics, like my daughter couldn't tie her shoe either. So, I mean, there are things that we all have in common, but at the end of the day, the interventions may look different, or maybe my child's dealing with severe depression. And so that looks different. Like what, all those little components. And so it's so important, like you were saying earlier, it's so important to think of our team and who all is part of our team and us working together. And, and like you said, trying some things and it might be we're moving backwards and then we're moving forward and then we're moving sideways and um, we just have to hang in there. But it, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's definitely a journey. It's definitely not something that happens quickly or overnight just because now we realize, um, okay, they're dyslexic. Now someone just fixed this. That's not really and how it works. <laughs> right with those to continue to have those conversations and when there's misunderstandings or like just to I I know for me I've had to really say he just doesn't understand she just just doesn't understand so let's try to help and we're going to try to move towards them too right like it can't be just like well I have dyslexia no like you're living in the real world so you're going to have to learn to navigate absolutely right um but we're going to help you along the way too. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just know as my knowledge has grown and I've had to become an expert in order to help, mm-hmm. um, they're open and, and just those conversations are so much easier because they know what to ask for. So, right. yeah. So tell me how you brought all of these pieces together and your story together and obviously your friendship from, from all the way back in college, although I know that was probably just a minute ago. And how did you... <laughs> How did you end up deciding we're going to start this dyslexia together box? And did you name it because you're working together or did you name it for some other reason? I'm kind of curious of, of why you chose that name. And then, you know, I think y'all have maybe pivoted along the way and maybe honed in on some different pieces and, you know, would love for you to share, um, you know, that piece of your journey too, because I think that's, that's very empowering and not that someone has to go out and start a business, but you know, when no. we do, we do that from a service heart, right? Cause we, <laughs> I know, right. Me neither. So you do it from a service heart, but I know that, um, you know, I would love to, to support what you guys are doing and, and would love to know more about how that came together. Well, I'll let Abby share some of that, but I do want to share, um, like I was just sitting here thinking like a part of our shared story, um, mm-hmm. we had gone, so both our sons had been identified semi around the same time, um, just because of that journey, but we went to a 
semi-local event like we were super excited um just learning about um being with other parents being with other professionals um and we had an experience where um, one of the speakers was sharing a story and neither of us are like we're both very feeling people but I can speak from, I'm not like much of a crier kind of person but we were both just sitting there like with our to our eyes brimmed with uh, tears, like hearing, feeling like we were hearing our story. Um, a complete stranger. Yeah. A complete stranger oh, yeah. sharing their own. Um, so it was kind of in that moment. And then I guess also like, I feel that is true anytime I ever speak to a, another mother or parent of someone that's dyslexic, like there's just that shared feeling and like, mm-hmm. I've, Again, like it's always like I've never able to have those conversations where I can't feel that deep thing that they're carrying, like the love and the what do you do and the overwhelm all at once. Um, And then we went to a parenting like um, breakout group after that. And um, the tone was very negative or just like sue everybody kind of thing. (laughs) And um, that is so not who we are. Um, neither of us were both we are very much social justice people and they made amazing changes and you know and now looking at it even looking back at that I said we don't know the particulars of what their right their journey and their their like community journey was but it just didn't feel like that's how we wanted to approach like for us personally yeah and we understand and it's not that my sharing that was not at all like um, to discount or diss someone else, but I'm saying it was like a springboard for us of we we know of our true self as we are bridge builders. Um, mm-hmm. We know that life is very hard in general. <laughs> Dyslexia journey is hard. Um, and things that are hard are better done shared together. So really that is where, I mean, and Abby can add to whatever her thing, but that's kind of where in my mind, when I think of dyslexia together, it generally is that like, no matter what the miles are, we may never meet, but we're on a very shared, similar story. Um, And it's hard and we get it in ways that other people can't. And Mm -hmm. the idea of looking at other people, like I said, like I'm in a different stage so there's hopefully things that you could learn from me or I can learn from you or Abby, right. all of us from each other. They could potentially make that journey a little bit easier. So that was at least on my part, what I think of when I think of Abby can share too. Well, the literal start of how we <laughs> began, I was at her house for a interior design consultation and um, <laughs> her bark box came which i don't know if you know what bark box oh, is yeah. it's a box for dogs it's themed and super fun yeah. two treats two treats and a toy mm-hmm. <laughs> and um so i just i was it was literally one of those aha moments we're standing mm-hmm. around her kitchen counter and i was like oh we should do a, a subscription box for around dyslexia and we thought it'd be super easy and <laughs> we knew exactly so Neither of us are business people, though. So (laughs) learning all of it. So, I mean, that started our journey. um, And we thought we really wanted to provide resources for for the parent. Because we, in looking at it, we're like, well, what do we know about this other than that we're living it, you know? And 
where we've really come is that we're the parent experts, right? We're not the educators. We're not the remediation, even though I like I'm doing remediation with my son. I certainly am not going to say that I'm an expert and right, can tell right. anyone else how to do that. Um, but we are experts in our own story and, and, and parenting and, and figuring it out basically. Um, so that's what we could speak to. Right. Um, so well, I can't remember too, like when we started the podcast, you know, I, as a parent, have, was out there trying to get information, reading all the books, doing all the things. But similar to what you had just shared is, you know, I got into a lot of Facebook groups. And um, here in Atlanta, there was, um, how do I best say this? Uh, I guess I'll just say it. There's a lot of negativity and a lot of the first mindset is to sue people. I am an attorney. <laughs> but I didn't want that route because not only did I represent the district I worked for, so it was kind of hard to sue myself in, in essence, <laughs> but I didn't, because I, I did the work, but it was more than that because I knew I didn't have years of litigation. I knew I didn't want to pull my family through that. And I'm not discounting anybody that, that feels that right. that's their, they need it. That's, that's an avenue you have, definitely an avenue you have, but I felt like everything I was seeing in the Facebook communities and all of that, because litigation is so adversarial, um, everything was so negative. And I just wanted to provide moms, you know, a place they could come and get education, a place they could come and get comfort, a place they could come and connect with others. Um, and, and really, you know, find a little hope and inspiration along their journey that this is, this is not the end of the world. It's difficult, but right. our kids can still be successful. And so probably similar to you, I was like, well, what can I do? And and I just, you know, I started a blog for a while. And then I real, I had this aha moment of, well, what if my moms are the dyslexic in the family? And right. she's busy anyway, right? And so maybe a podcast is better a connection than her sitting down and reading a blog. And then it just kind of, you know, took off from there. And then the other piece I love is like you're meeting you, right? Like I've gotten to meet and connect with so many amazing dyslexic families, dyslexics in general, uh, business owners, just, you know, bringing different stories and different avenues to, to, to my community and our audience. And I just felt like there was a piece, and I guess that's why I gravitated to your account as well on Instagram, is because, you know, there was such a negative tone where I live, although we have lots of dyslexic schools here and lots of resources, not so much in the public school, but if you want to pay, you can play, right, kind of thing here. But I really wanted there to be a way where I, I gave some education and I really helped others. And there was so much negativity. And, and, and I've had people come at me, too, about, well, why don't you just tell people how to sue people? Well, I could do that, but that's just not really where I feel like my heart is in the service of what I want to do currently. There are people out that, that, there that can help you with that. But at the end of the day... I wanted the podcast to be somewhere that she could come and kind of regenerate, right? And come and kind of recharge her batteries and, and hear other stories. And I just find that that's more powerful. Day. Yeah. Huh? It's living every day. And like, we're in the midst of, of raising these kids and, you know, and like, I mean, we both have other children too, you know, I mean, <laughs> one, I think may, like, I think my one may be dyslexic. She was never formally diagnosed, um, shows a lot of characteristics, but also kind of figured it out. And then right. my other, like he doesn't have any dyslexia and it could be that she was really mild dyslexic right like we right. talk about severity sometimes on the show right. that there's and I didn't even know that for a while because yeah. our first evaluation was through the public school system and so we didn't get a severity and someone said something about their kid being severe I'm like okay well, what does that mean you know and so there there's also there's layers of you know what what is the the um uh, 
you know, the severity of the dyslexia and what does that even mean? You know, so that's a, a whole nother podcast, but you know, right. there's, there's pieces that people don't know about. And so those are the pieces that, that I really want to share and talk about. So. Right. Yeah. And two, like you said, from the perspective of, um, I do have a background in education. I am an attorney, uh, but I really wanted to talk from the perspective of I'm a mom and I get it. And I get that things are busy. I get that we're still trying to navigate this thing day in and day out. And we're trying to navigate life in general. And so I didn't want to be, I can tell you how to, to do a lot of different things and how to sue a lot of different people and how to file complaints and whatnot. But at the end of the day, I really want to talk about parenting and how to help moms get up in the morning and know she's got this and she can do it. And it's hard, but you got this. We're going to get this and we're going to do this together. And you're not alone. There are a lot of amazing people. And like you've been, you know, benefit of, you know, connecting with others and finding that person or the people that, that get it and that can help you and, and listen and, and kind of help navigate. You know, it's, it's so empowering, I think. Right. So we decided to do um, subscription box, and we thought it was for the mom. And then we had mm-hmm. kind of looked through our from our subscribers that the shift really was that they would hope for there to be something and um, more for their child. Like we had done it from the lens of the mom and had things in there to do with the child, just because every family talks about things differently or does things differently. So that's why mm-hmm. we initially did that. And. We um, did the focus of moms because we are, and that's what we're the most familiar with. Um, And in most families, there's probably one person, whoever that is, that's probably a little bit more primary on the journey of it, like the everydayness of it, just out of logistical reasons. So we wanted to do the subscription so that it was a monthly pouring in, kind of like you were saying. Yeah, So that's how it started. And then it's um, evolved and shifted or... Plot twist. That's what we think. Um, <laughs> you pivoted uh, and now, yeah. <laughs> yeah we've done a lot of pivots and um, initially kind of we're beginning to launch went right before um, the COVID and shutdowns and all of that. So um, we've more recently switched to this. We feel like this is very much the model that we need to be. And when I say this, it's a... Um, it's a book adventure box, basically, for middle grade kids is our focus. But really, it's... Um, a, a subscription box for kids who love great stories, even if they struggle with reading. All right. So, so tell me a little bit about, I get a box this month. What does it look like? Like yeah, why I open so, it up and what's the amazing things that I could expect to see? <laughs> so essentially just the summary of it is we're providing a positive experience with books, which at some point on your journey, your child probably has lost that. It's different ages. And, it's so, and book might be a four letter word. So right. we want to <laughs> change that. Um, so that was, and just out of like for our own children, like loving, loving stories, reading, it was such a huge part of our culture and what we believe in and that there's so much that can be learned from books and dealing with difficult themes and it increases, um, vocabulary. vocabulary. Well, actually you just talked about all this in a recent podcast, I think, but anyhow, um, going from that, um, and so one, and then I had said earlier in sharing our story that at some point, Again, looking back, I realized that the reading or on what level and at what time and all that wasn't nearly as important as preserving hope and confidence and self-esteem. Absolutely. Um, so that and building is- relationship, too. I know, you know, there's so many times where I'll look over and she's in sixth grade, but she's still sitting, you know, elbow to elbow as we're, you know, reading through something and looking at something. And 
And it is, um, you know, that little spark they get when they read a book and it's fun and, and you're learning about, you know, these characters. And at some point along the way, you know, our kids lose that. And so right. regaining that is amazing. Passion for that, but they're not quite at that reading level. Right. Um, Right, they're stuck at the the lower level thing. So um, every month it's a chapter book. Okay. Um, So the essence are there. It's a it's a chapter book, middle grade chapter book, a minimal reading game that helps to build family time and hope and confidence. Mm -hmm. um, Because we've really found that was like a huge, not to say not to pun, but um, game changer (laughs) for absolutely our family time where we weren't. There wasn't the struggle and everybody was having fun. So that and was. And we hear that from adults all the time who are dyslexic that they don't play games or won't out of the social embarrassment. So we have mm. really, really leaned into curating finding and curating um, fun, minimal reading games for all ages of the family. Unit. Well, and I can imagine too, kind of like with the Bark Box, right? Not that we are affiliating or, or, or promoting no. the Bark Box <laughs> today. Although, if they want to send us the money, we'll take to. it. But, uh, <laughs> but similar to that, though, right? Because instead of, you know, I, I'm busy being a mom and now I've got to go out and find all these resources. Once a month, this amazing box comes and we start looking forward to it, right, as a family, because now we have, you know, what are we going to get into this month? And it's not that she's having to go out and source all those pieces. You're doing all that work for her. And then that helps bring the family together. So I love that. Yeah. So we kind of, I actually, so I know we're on video right now. So you're reading. Oh, yeah, see. I love it. Oh, so yeah. It, you open it. I mean, it obviously doesn't look quite like that stacked up, but so there's always, it starts out with, they, they open a story map of surprises and then through the book, they open the book up. Everything is wrapped. So it's kind of like, Ooh. you know, surprise gifts all along the way. And then they follow the map as they, and it has the page chapter number and page number. One key component for us, because we are a dyslexic community is there's always an audio option. So we okay. provide several awesome. resources, whether mm-hmm. that's through Hoopla or Libby or mm-hmm. um, Audible or Learning Ally, you know, we just and different apps that you can use or That's time amazing. encouraging moments. Okay, you try to read this part, or mom or dad or grandparent, mm-hmm. sibling. So we, inc- I think it's important to back up and say we've chosen very consciously to include a physical book mm-hmm. um, because we feel like that is important to build like mm-hmm. bookshelves and the accomplishment. Like that's, that's part of. Because like if you're taking, books. if you're taking, you know, this size book in, a chapter book in, um, to your class to take your iReady exam or um, book report, you're not taking in, you know, a, a much lower level book because, right. you know, they can they can ear read or, or audio, and it's the mm-hmm. same parts of the room that are lighting up as. So let me ask you that question. Then I know you said kind of middle grades. What if we have like the the parent I was working with last week, she's got a third grader, but he's reading on a kindergarten level. So is that something where he could still be a part of it because there are other ways to absolutely listen to the book. But then I love too, because there's something about, I mean, I have a Kindle or what have you. So there's something about that piece of it, but for for the kid to be able to see, I'm trying to see if I have a book close by, but I don't. For them to be able to hold up a physical book and go, "Wow, I did that!" Like I, I, I we went through all that book together. Where I think sometimes you lose that when you use some of the other pieces, which are you know, my daughter's downstairs right now using Learning Ally for I think Percy Jackson. She's reading that. She's decided. So, but but you know, 
I guess they lose sight. I don't know if that's the best way to say that. But I think the accomplishment piece to be able to say, there's a physical book, and I know that we went through that together as a family, even though maybe more of a... Yeah, maybe more of an unconscious thing, but I think that still helps with the self-esteem building and things of that nature. So we're very much intentional about everything we do. That's how we're Mm -hmm. wired. So like, I love it. But we definitely have thought all this out, and I think this is an important time to say that our families are very involved. So Mm -hmm. both of our sons um, are a part of the things that are chosen, or books that are chosen and curated, and you know, just like tested and approved. I love it. What would you say to a parent that might be hesitant that maybe has herself lost the love of learn, of reading? I won't say learning, though, lost the, you know, just like, for example, the person I was talking to last week, she said, you know, I just really don't read books. Like, I just, because I offered to send her a dyslexia book, and she's like, yeah, I won't read it. Don't send it to me. And so I'm curious to, do and you I have get- any? I got to a point where it was just all very overwhelming to me, mm-hmm. like just all the books and all the reading and all the, <laughs> exactly. Uh-uh. and so I think, but that's why I think we're trying to, um, not trying, we are providing a positive experience in a box for the whole family. So okay. the hope would be that you get back to that, where it Absolutely. was that um, nostalgic moment of your kids sitting on the lap and. Um, the time that you did that and all of that was important and valuable and did develop your child and, and kind of getting back to that. And, or we've also tried to create the elements that it can be done alone too, if needed, mm-hmm. just because we're busy and yeah. all of that. So it's it lends itself it. to both, whether, you know, and, and the stories we choose are just great stories. You know, they're not, they may be um, publisher recommended for that eight to 12 year old, but we really mm-hmm. are intentional about choosing just really great stories that are engaging and good character development, good vocabulary development. And, um, what's been important to us. Um, and you know, and some of the themes are hard, quite honestly, we're like, Ooh, can we do that for this age group? And, you know, I, I think there's a, a different level of exploration through literature as opposed to, movies or you know i mean we obviously like we're huge movie fans and things like that it's a different exploration and a different way of of, uh wrestling with hard information that i think is really important and just for our society at large (laughs) so absolutely well i know recently over the summer my niece was she's in high school she was reading a book and it was uh, it was really interesting. It was the the student who went to Italy and was reconnecting with her dad. It was really kind of a neat little story. So I, I was I'm going to read this story too. She was at my house. Uh, they live out of town. I said just intriguing. I was like I'm kind of curious, you know. So I picked it up and read it. Well, over the summer Netflix released it. So I was like, oh, awesome! I can't wait to see Italy. So I started watching it and I immediately texted her. And I'm like, okay, so the characters are completely different. Like yeah. when they connect was different. Like the first 10 minutes, it was like a different, was not the same. And so I, she's like, oh yeah, I can't even watch the movie because it's so different and not a good way because you really had, uh, you really had built what you thought about those characters, right? And kind of what, and, and people were introduced early on that you didn't meet to the end of the book. It was just really, you know, typical, but I loved it because I was able to use an example like that with, the, with some middle school kids when I recently spoke at a classroom and I said, you know, I know, you know, I did kind of like, would you rather? And they would, they all went to, we'd rather watch it on movies. And I said, yeah, but you're missing these components. Like there are components in the book. And that's why my daughter's reading Percy Jackson. She's like, I want to know, like I'm learning some things about the characters that books just don't, I mean, that movies don't have time to really explore, right? They're just, they're, they're moving on. And, and you miss some of that character development, I think, when you, when you don't read the book. So, uh, 
so yeah, we're we're big book advocates here, but we've also had a time when books were not our favorite thing to do at home. Right. So. <laughs> like right. And I just I you know, my my son was very um involved in, in helping to choose books this summer and putting the boxes together for I the summer that. month. Mm-hmm. He to see his confidence grow and know that he can help another kid that feels the same That's way that amazing mm-hmm. has about books in the past. Um, you know, he's ear reading a lot and, you know, and, and that even gave me the confidence to go in and say, cause I feel like we were maybe even a little circumspect with like, yeah, you can do your reading log, just ear read it, but don't tell, <laughs> you know, but now. I'll, so for now, someone that's listening, that doesn't know what ear reading means, yeah. I don't know that I've ever defined it on the podcast. Can you share what you mean by that? Yeah, just it's, um, listening. It's audio option for, for reading. So there's, there's really three types of reading. There's eye reading, which is what we think of as reading, um, through your eyes. There's ear reading, which is audible and, um, and then braille. So, uh, mm-hmm. kinesthetic reading. Um, and you know, I, I think it's really interesting. I don't know. If, I think that braille hits these two, but the audio and the, um, the, so the ear reading and eye reading are, are the same parts of the brain that are lit up. So it's not mm-hmm. cheating. It's right. still, you know, and, and I, that was freeing for me as a parent. Um, yeah. And, you know, and, and talking about like not even reading as much like that, just because of parenting, it's not because I would necessarily was struggling with reading, although, you know, that's probably been something at, at times too, but um, it was, I just didn't have time to read. I'm exhausted. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep after a page, you right. know. And it but gave I, them the confidence to do it independently, right? Because they, right. and like with Learning Ally, I know they highlight the words as they yeah. read. So they're able to kind of follow along even, which Absolutely. is a, a nice little piece of that. It really yeah. is. So with yeah. the subscription box, is it something that someone subscribes to for monthly, not- a year? Like, how does that kind of work? Yeah, it's a month to month subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you happen to be near Dayton, Ohio, <laughs> then we have a couple of pickup options. Um, but we can also ship it. Um, and anywhere we have, we have uh, subscribers all over the country, which is really fun. That is um, nice. And um, yeah, they get this great experience. And, you know, we're really encouraging folks to, to use it for their um, nightly reading homework. You know, that 15, 20 minutes a day. They're usually five to seven hours. Um, it's, it's range. We had, a, we had one book that was maybe three and a half or something, but it had more there's always a maker aspect to this book or to this box experience. Um, uh, there's the game, like I said, and then there's, um, just different things that really make it come alive. A lot of open free ended play, which we still think is really important for that age group that kind of gets lost. And a lot of it can be done as they're ear reading, if that's how they choose to do it or just exploring. So it, each of the items that they open go along with, certain points in the book and so that's like how make that become alive. make it come yeah. alive yeah, yeah that's perfect and, and which it helps them remember yeah it helps with comprehension and yeah like, so if somebody wanted to connect with you and learn more about dyslexia together box where where is the best place to connect with you so our website is just just at uh, dyslexiatogether.com and we're on instagram and facebook at uh, at dyslexia together box okay and yeah, that's where we hang out most of the time. Awesome. So. awesome. Well, thank you both for being here. I have really enjoyed our conversations. It sounds like we could probably even have some follow-up conversation in the future. Love that opportunity as well. Is there any last-minute advice or comments that you would like to make to, to for the moms that are out there listening today? Because I've, I've enjoyed every moment of our conversation, but I just want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else you want to say in closing today. 
I do have just a couple of things on my mind really quickly. One sure. is celebrate along the way. Yes. Um, that Absolutely. is a huge, huge tenet of why we started our business. Um, and we incorporate that in every box and we want to encourage that, like celebrate the big wins, the small wins, the everything, the things that have nothing to do with reading to celebrate who your child is. Beautiful, perfect. Who they I love are. that. Um, yes. <laughs> And so that's a huge part. And then this could potentially be um, a different conversation, I hope. But um, finding ways to like um, grandparents or neighbors or finding ways to incorporate those people in your journey. So that was another thing that was just coming to my mind as far as like um, an example, like my son and his grandmother have done the box together before and sharing that experience um, helped her understand more both his strengths and his struggle um, so I, I and just he's wanted, a teenager, so like yeah, that's like, it was like a really special fun. experience. Oh, that's fun. So I, I love that. I want to share that as well. Is lean in to the people that are there, um, and find ways to share your story. And again, this is a probably a different conversation, but we were talking <laughs> about a little bit of just helping your child learn to tell their story because ultimately, um, I think the thing, one of the main things that we're about is shattering the shame around dyslexia because there's no reason for there to be absolutely um but that every person we ever talk to including the parents i think a lot of what we're carrying is like guilt that can be turned into shame that shouldn't and their kids and mostly adults we meet so many adults which is a privilege and a burden that come up to us and just want to share that they've never some of them have never even told anyone before right. um are dyslexic and we and just, the struggle and it's a it's a real raw pain point for them still as mm -hmm. successful adults and yeah they just so they don't want other kids well to and i think a lot of times it's hard even when you're going in to navigate with a school and i've talked a little bit about this on my podcast if if your perspective has been that it it wasn't a good experience and you really you as the parent were the dyslexic or, or whatever you, you struggled in school and so you go in and it it becomes even more intimidating because it wasn't a good experience for you personally. And now you're trying to navigate for your little person or your big person. And you're trying to figure out how do I, how do I navigate something that caused me angst just to walk in a building? Right. So there's all those pieces. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of, I guess, leave it with that or share that. Yeah, that and I think that. that's like keeping that, keeping that conversation open, you know, that's like walking in the Absolutely. thing. Like, like I, I don't know, like just, remembering that we're all human and there's just not that need for shame on, on teacher. Like it's not a blame and shame kind of situation. It, right. it shouldn't be. Sure. I think it is so often. And that's what we just want to build kids hope and confidence so that they can live into their strengths. That's our, right. our desire. And one of the goals is of the box is to maintain their love and confidence before it's lost. So that's sort of the yeah. eight, why we've chosen that age range. Okay. Cause that's, often when they're identified around that age range Absolutely. and doing younger at some point, but yeah. Well, I think really we could leave it by just saying that when we dyslexia, you know, when we do the dyslexia together, then it really is, uh, it, it makes a huge difference when we, um, and sometimes, like you said, it's just that you're, you're trying to navigate your own, but when you're able to reach out to one other person, even, and once people find out that you're on that journey, people start reaching out to you to Absolutely. say, I don't, I don't know how to do this. You're making it look so easy. Okay. It's not, <laughs> but you know, people reach out to you. And I think that 
as we talk, you know, during Dyslexia Awareness Month, just sharing with others and sharing when some people are struggling. And it can be something you do privately. You don't have to necessarily do it publicly like we've chosen to do it. But at the end of the day, you know, it really is a strong community. And I'm so blessed to be in the dyslexia community and the parenting community because I've had some amazing opportunities. Um, And I've also, like I think we said earlier, there is overlap in our stories. We do have commonalities. It's not exactly the same, but we have enough that's connecting us. And some of it is the shame probably that's connecting us. But at the end of the day, I just want people to know that, that we're all here together and we're going to, we're going to do this thing together and it's going to be okay. And uh, it is something that we should be speaking out about as, as, as we continue to kind of figure out how that looks for ourselves and where we are in our place of our journey. But, um, and some of it's just, you know, educating that grandparent even right through the experiences they have with our children and those little pieces become big pieces. And so I would just encourage people to, to continue to do that as, as most comfortable for them. And then just to know that, there are people like all of us here in in the dyslexia community that want to do this together and we want to help each other. Absolutely. So thank thank you you. so much for being here. I so appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. We've really enjoyed our time getting to know you a bit. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation that I had with Kristen and Abby. And it's nice to, to listen to other moms that are also on their dyslexia parenting journey. And just like us, Everyone has such a unique experience, but yet still similarities, right? So I hope you enjoyed their stories. I hope you enjoyed their journey and listening to their journey. And I hope you will take advantage of the Dyslexia Together subscription box. And like promised, they have a special gift just for Dyslexia Mom Life audience. When you subscribe to the Dyslexia Together subscription box, at the checkout, you're going to enter Mom Life. You may be wondering, well, what is my free gift? Your free gift will be a actual gold road hammered barred necklace that is a $20 value, and that will be in your first subscription box from the Dyslexia Together box. And if you are enjoying the podcast, I would love for you to share it with anyone you think needs to hear it. You would be amazed at, at who in your community is also struggling silently and is not reaching out, and you may have no idea. Wherever you listen to this podcast, look on the app. There should be a share icon where you can click that share button and it will let you share it via email, text message, straight to your social channels. And you just never know. You may have a friend who's struggling, who may need to hear this. Feel free to share today's episode or any episode that you've listened to or even just the show itself. You can go back to the actual show and share the whole show with someone. There'll be a link there as well. That is the hugest compliment you can give me. But Even more than that, there are moms who need this information. And so really, it's more about you serving others and not even realizing it. So the more word we can get out, you know, this is Dyslexia Awareness Month. So everyone seems like everyone, if you're following several different people in this space, they're going to be talking about dyslexia. But there's so many people in our personal communities that don't understand dyslexia. So getting that word out there to other family, friends, educators, it is so beneficial to all children. Remember, one in five are said to be dyslexic. And if you would like to support the show itself, remember there is a link in each of these episodes and also on the website. If you want to buy us a cup of coffee, it is coffee season. It is hot chocolate season. I mean, it's getting cooler here in Georgia 
It's warm some days, but for the most part, we're moving into fall and we're enjoying that fall weather. So if you would like to support the show, that would be amazing. Either doing that through sharing with others or, you know, if you want to share a cup of coffee with us virtually, (laughs) that would be great as well. I hope you have an amazing day. And remember, you got this and you are not alone. If you need additional information about dyslexia in general, please feel free to go to our website at dyslexiamomlife.com. Follow any of our social channels where we put out information. And if you want to connect with our community, the best way to do that is to go to Facebook and join our community group on there. So you go to groups, you look for Dyslexia Mom Life podcast community, and we have a private uh, group there that you can join and connect with moms. Connect with, we have lots of moms in there that listen to the show and that will ask questions. And we have a very supportive community. So if you're looking for community, that is the best place to go. As Abby and Kristen said on the show, things hard are better shared together. So get in there and share and become part of our community. I'll see you in there. <laughs>